What's up? I'm Amanda Costco, and you're listening to the Electric Runway Podcast, a podcast exploring the intersection of fashion and technology. Today, we're recording from the Twitter building in San Francisco. When we think of fashion, we don't necessarily think of SF. The city is much more known for its startup culture and innovations in technology. But as technology creeps closer to the skin, San Francisco is becoming an incubator for companies and designers looking to bring fashion and technology together on the body. Want to get the lay of the land in terms of the fashion tech scene in the Bay Area? Just ask Mika Yehera. She's the co-founder of SF Fashion Tech, a brand that started as a mobile app and has since pivoted into one of California's most active fashion tech communities. We had so much to talk about, I had to divide our conversation into two episodes. Before we get to the interview, just two pieces of housekeeping. First, many people have been telling me they want to tune into the podcast but aren't able to listen via SoundCloud for various reasons. You'll be happy to know that as of next week, the Electric Runway podcast has been approved for iTunes, so you'll be able to download and stream episodes there. Second, be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at electric underscore runway. And now, here's part one of my conversation with Mika Yehera. Welcome to the show, Mika. Thank you for having me, Amanda. Let's start with where we are. We're in the Twitter building. Yes. And yes. we're in Runway. What's Runway? Yes. So Runway is a co-working space and an incubator for early stage startups. Currently, Runway has about 80 startups here presently. And they range from fashion to automated cars to mobile apps around healthcare, fitness. And the idea is to create a community while also helping support startups in the various parts of the process of, of the development of their startups. So what's really great about being here at Runway is that you have access to other businesses and other colleagues, but also they put a really big focus on events and bringing in people from outside, including VCs, media, different industry speakers, and so on, to really cultivate the startup ecosystem here, specifically at Runway, but also in San Francisco at large. And I suppose as a fashion tech fits in really nicely with that mission. It does, yeah, it does. And we're seeing, obviously, there's a lot of collaboration, at least there are a lot of discussions going on here. You're, you, you, again, you meet people from very different industries, addressing very different problems within their space and their categories. So you can kind of start to learn about maybe if there are synergies, right, or if there are ways to collaborate, or maybe you have a partner that they can partner with, things mm-hmm. like that. So it's very collaborative. That's why you know, you're starting to see co-working spaces, I think, pop up and emerge as their own industry because of the value it really provides. Obviously, not just the the owner of the space because mm-hmm. they're making revenue, but really from the innovation perspective, they're seeing a lot of new things come out. Yeah, I think that cross-pollination is so important, and it, it's more than just technology and fashion needing to speak with one another. It's you need you need all of the people. So, tell us about SF Fashion Tech. How long have you been around, and how many members are you right now? Yeah, that's a great question. And um, what a lot of people don't know is that it actually started as a pivot or a redirection from a mobile app. So we were developing a mobile app around a fashion community. And while we were looking for users and getting validation from beta testers, you know, we thought, you know, why not host some events to bring the community together, right? We're, we're trying to build this app. We want to touch base with stylists and designers. So you know, let's, you know, what are some ways that we can really start to cultivate this too, right? Because it helps, it helps us. Mm-hmm. So we've always been kind of community focused from the beginning. So this was in 2011. 
Since then, uh, you know, for, for various reasons, uh, we decided to shelve the app. But because we were seeing an interest in what is this idea around fashion technology, you know, what, what's, what is this intersection? There are a lot of people that were interested in what was going on in it. And what we saw was an, uh, an opportunity and a gap in the space between people talking to fashion designers or the fashion industry and technology. Essentially, these two industries were not talking to each other here in San Francisco. So leveraging that, leveraging already a small base of, of friends and colleagues that were interested in what was going on in the intersection of fashion and technology, we decided, you know what? Let's continue to build and cultivate this community and see what happens. So it was kind of, I wouldn't say luck, but it was more of, you know, let's explore, let's experiment, let's see if there's something here, test these assumptions that people are actually really interested in engaging and discussing this new industry that we were starting to see unfold here. What was the app attempting to do? <laughs> That's a good question. So it's actually uh, made it, to, we, we pushed it to the app store and it was a marketplace to connect designers, stylists, even photographers, for example, with potentially customers or with other people in the space that were looking for inspiration. And eventually it would be able to help those designers and stylists to potentially get jobs or you know, to connect the business aspect around the images that they've had, really connecting their portfolios to a mobile-based um, marketplace, I guess, to really be able to, to drive that business through the mobile. But that makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, it, it changed a little bit, you know, throughout speaking with designers, speaking with stylists. We saw that it's very difficult to, to get traction in that area at that time. We started to think about, okay, are there other communities that we can build through this mobile app? Because fashion is a very aspirational mechanism for, you know, for self-reflection and confidence in your own look. Right? Absolutely. It's very aspirational. So how can you capture that in a mobile application? And what's interesting is around the same time that we launched our beta, 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 there were about three to four other apps that have launched at the same time that were fully funded, full teams, technology. They had, I, not necessarily proprietary technology, but they had their own mechanisms and values, value proposition behind mm -hmm. the application, not just being a community focused. So that's one of the reasons, well, those are probably a couple of the reasons why we decided to shell that out. And I have to say, looking hindsight, the mobile app, you know, apps were emerging, right? 2000, I would say 10, 11. I mean, they were the, the conduit for, for, Ideas. for everything, right? Yeah. yeah. And in fashion, specifically, at least here in the Bay, we were seeing a lot of movement around how do you build experiences around apps. And, mm -hmm. and so it's kind of a convergence of multiple ideas and interests and backgrounds to, to see, okay, is this something that we can we can do? There's definitely a lot of you know lessons learned from that, which is, you know, which is I think a discussion for another time. But um, the app was really the beginning of, you know, what are other ways to build a community? Mm -hmm. And so that's that's what I wanted to get into. So the community it came out of this app and then you realize that there was actually an appetite in San Francisco for this bridge that you were building. Yes, absolutely. And I think that's a really great term, appetite. What we noticed was, I think in 2008, was a very big year for, I want to say, communities within the fashion scene. That was when Polyvore started. That was also when, and I could be wrong in terms of the years exactly, but, you know, Chictopia and Lookbook.new, you know, these were really cutting-edge 
at that time, cutting-edge communities uh, full of young, up-and-coming um, stylists, emerging designers that wanted to just showcase their looks. What's interesting, they're all based in the Bay. You wouldn't necessarily know it, but they have taken different approaches to building communities around fashion aspiration and design. So I think you know, it's always <laughs> it's been here. It's just a matter of you know, what, what are other ways to really bring fashion to San Francisco? And I think not just the fashion uh, appetite here, excuse me, the appetite for fashion technology, there, there's, there is an appetite for fashion here. It's very small. We're not trying to compare ourselves to New York or to London. Obviously, you know, the ecosystem is much greater and much more ingrained mm. within those cities. But the appetite is, is very, very dedicated, very supportive, very um, hungry, if, if that makes sense. But it, it's here, mm-hmm. but it's just much, much smaller. And so what type of events would you put on? Yeah, so with our first event, we started with a panel. We said, okay, you know, what if we bring some of the, the leading cutting-edge brands together with technology players in the space? So our first event was a panel event, and it included uh, Susan Greg Coger from ModCloth, CCO at that time. It included Vineet Bush, who was, was acquired by Google for their visual search algorithm from Like.com. And it included the co-founder of iFabo, which is one of the largest blogging organizations in San Francisco as well. They had a global following as well. And we brought in Beta Brand, so Chris Lindland from Beta Brand. And all of these people had different perspectives and had different backgrounds and industry um, expertise. And we're like, let's bring these people together for a panel discussion on the future of technology and fashion, or how does technology impact fashion. We worked with Rocket Space at that time, did a really great event space. We're very big on picking high quality event spaces as well. I think that has to be a part of the the process and part of kind of the, the criteria. You have to provide a space that's really engaging. And we didn't anticipate, you know, we were like, okay, we'll get probably 50, 60 people. We had over 150 people there. And because of the limitations of the space, you know, if we had a larger space, I think we could have easily gotten 200, 300 people. For so your first event? Yeah. Wow. So we're like, okay, yes, this appetite. Yes, <laughs> it's there, there. It's there. That's when we decided, okay, you know, let's really focus on different event types and formats. Really what's key to us is, or what we always wanted to do was experiment. So then we started to host different formats. We had a series called Studio 64, which is a play on right, Studio 54. It was an interactive showcase, and so we would bring in emerging companies that were focusing on fashion technology or retail or commerce and have them in a cool club at night showcasing their products, having people try on jewelry, for example, or we had a few wearable tech companies, you know, understanding, let, let's see what this dress looks like in person, right? And so we had a model walking around, and it was a really just a great evening of, you know, 20 companies together to celebrate really what's coming up um, at the intersection of fashion. And when was that? Actually. When was that? So the first one, my gosh, again, it's been years, but I think it's around 2012 or okay. so. Yeah. That was a fun one, and again, with in line with our spirit of experimentation, um, like, okay, let's do happy hours, let's do mixers. Then we also did a hackathon. That was really interesting because, again, it was one of the first of its kind, and it was with an organization, and we had some great partners, so we had Pop Sugar involved, and it was held at Westfield Labs. I think it, it was definitely a new concept, right? And it was interesting, the attendees were definitely a mix of some designers, some bloggers, media, but also technologists. So that was kind of a really true understanding and gathering point of people at the intersection of both, to really come up with some just, you know, what are some ideas that you have? A couple of companies actually came up with some long-term ideas. One company 
our friends at Styland actually, you know, they're, they're, they're growing and they're still around and they're doing some amazing things in the peer-to-peer rental space. So they actually launched a company out of one of your well, hackathons. Yeah, and I think part of it was getting validation mm-hmm. to see, okay, you know, is this something that people would respond to? And that's, I think, what the value of hackathons are, right? It's not necessarily the ideas. It's, you know, what the process is one of the values. It's going through this boot camp style process for early stage startups or for would-be entrepreneurs to go through this process of saying, okay, here's an idea I have. Is it validated? Can I get it validated? Are there customers there? And then building a prototype out of there. And being able to bounce that off of the right community of people who are thinking in this space. Exactly. I mean, if you think of crowdfunding as a way to market your company that already has some kind of a prototype, a hackathon could be a way to market your idea and also to find founders and find colleagues and team members. So it was really great from that perspective, too. You know, we're always kind of doing more of the experimental approach. And... Our focus has always been on working with and partnering with some really innovative organizations. And so one of our most recent events was a discussion on 3D printing and fashion. And we held that at Autodesk Gallery. Right. I trolled that on Twitter. <laughs> I couldn't be here for it, but I remember I trolled yeah, it. Was, it was wonderful. I mean, one, the space. I don't know if you had a chance to visit or if anyone has a chance to visit Autodesk Gallery. They're doing some really amazing things. And they're working across all disciplines, really pushing the boundaries because they're, they're really driving kind of a future thinking and future software or software for development of, of goods. And what was great is we were able to bring in Natasha Alpert from Calarius, Calarius excuse me, which um, is the parent company of Brown's company. So it's a shoe company that has, gosh, I'm probably not doing it justice, dozens of brands. And so she's bringing in innovative and emerging technologies into that process mm-hmm. and training the designers and teaching them how to incorporate 3D printing in their process. So she spoke, and we had Banaz Farahi, who is a very inspiring architect. I think you may have met her. She's also an artist in residence at Pier One mm-hmm. with Autodesk, and just doing amazing things with wearables plus, you know, body reactions. And um, I'm not sure if she's doing haptic feedback, but she's doing some very kind of mind blowing things and creating some really interesting concepts. So, you know, again, the root of all of our events and programming are really about bringing the community together, engaging technology in a different way, making it accessible, especially for those fashion designers or stylists that may be a little fearful around discussions around technology. We're very inclusive in that way. We want to make sure that it's with the right partners, the right setting, in the right format. For someone who's not from San Francisco, what does the fashion tech community here look like? I always like to ask people, what is their definition of fashion tech? Because I find that, you know, you go to New York and it's a certain thing. You go to Toronto and it's another thing. What do you think it is uh, personally, but then also given your position, uh, seeing this burgeoning community? Yeah, you know, that's a really great question. And I think because we've been here for, I would say, I would consider ourselves veterans now because we've been doing this for maybe about four years, and so we've seen the space change. Personally, fashion technology to me is true merging of processes, tools, materials, truly at the intersection of fashion and technology. So I don't necessarily see it, and I'm sure some people may have uh, may argue with me about this, I don't see what's going on in retail technology as fashion technology. I see more of innovation or different ways of thinking around materials, styling, sourcing, maybe to a degree inventory, although that's going into retail tech. It's a lot of the back end, right? Because I know fashion is a very big industry, but it's really around things that are related to the body, to textures, to materials. 
that's what I see as just really quickly as you know fashion so you see retail tech as the apps and the platforms and you know the developments we're seeing in that space but then fashion tech is something that needs to be worn do I understand that right um, I would in a quick answer yes and again I know some people would argue with me around this but I think the put it this way you know we look forward let's say we're looking forward 20 years I don't think fashion technology will be called fashion technology anymore. I'm hoping, actually, it won't be called fashion technology anymore because what's really important for any company now in the space is to create something um, or to create a product or an application or something that's um, invisible tech. It's the notion of not having the tech necessarily in a name or in the, the, the selling Right. Not being right. so front and center. Right. I right understand. now it's a selling point, and yeah. which is great because it's giving some, some great companies and founders and funding entities and manufacturers a, a new market to go after from a sales, marketing, and acquisition standpoint. And I think that's really important because fashion, at least from the tech side, has kind of been a feature, not central to the development of technology. And so we've always been proponents of invisible tech where it's actually, you know, hidden. Technology, you know, as we know now, if you think about uh, the different applications and tools we have now, we're not saying, oh, this is a great tech. We're saying this is a great XYZ, right? This is a great, lack for a better term, tool, but we're not saying this is great tech necessarily. And I don't think we should say the same thing. People aren't saying that about fashion technology. They're not saying, oh, this is great tech. It's this is a great experience, Hmm. right? This is a great way to track this, this empowers me to do this. This so enables me to do this. In the future, it'll just be fashion, and the technology features, the digital features, will be background or secondary. Well, that's the hope. Um, and again, I don't want to discount you know, the, all the innovation and all the work that's been going into the tech side, but if we're really, truly wanting to be, um, as fashion tech enthusiasts and experts, if we really want technology to be ingrained within fashion, it, it needs to disappear from the head the headline or at least from the from the term right because we wouldn't say oh this was made on a loom it's fashion tech right like the loom as a technology we don't we don't think of that as technology anymore but it was at one point a zipper at one point was right right, right. it's just now we've entered this digital space so exactly. we're now what can we do with right. it i think that it is very experimental and very exciting and so fashion tech as something that's embedded into our clothing or something that we wear is becoming exciting but i think that you're right the more that the technology disappears in the background, the better it will be. Yeah. And I think the more or the easier it will be to have people adopt it. Because exactly. people don't want as we saw with something like Google Glass, we yeah. you know, people don't wanna don't wanna feel like robots. They exactly. still like you know, the softness of clothing. Exactly. And I think that's where um, you know, for me personally that's that's an interest of mine and that's an area that I watch is more of the fabrication textiles and materials because I think that's really gonna be where um, you can start to hit um, hopefully, mass production and scale, and having people, having everyone have a taste of what we consider fashion technology right now, or having a taste of wearables, right? Again, as much as I love wearable technology, you know, the term wearables itself is already distancing yourself from what the body is, right? If you have to say it's wearable, then you're already kind of creating a category of something that's 
external to to what you're wearing on an everyday basis right I think I saw a headline today on Twitter and it was these wearable leggings and I said well I hope if they're leggings they're wearable otherwise what are they you know (laughs) exactly but it's true that term has become laden with so much yeah and then so to get back to sorry you know long story short in terms of the scene here in San Francisco you know there is a very strong pull askew towards wearable technology or uh, fashionable technology as well as commerce and there are um, a few players in the space here in the Bay Area that have that are helping to facilitate the demand and the growth of that in this area. Um, and also, you know, a lot of it's driven by funding, especially for early stage startups or startups in general. What we're seeing, especially as related to technology, is that um, you know where there is funding, there will be a community or there will be a, an ecosystem supporting certain industries versus others. So, what are the most exciting companies, fashion tech companies, that you're keeping your eye on? Uh, And I love this question because there is some really innovative things going on. And again, because of my personal interest in materials and fabrication, two companies that come to mind. One is a company called Bolt Threads. B-O-L-T? B-O-L-T, yes. And they are engineering spider silk, excuse me, spider silk on a mass scale. So there are a lot of properties to spider silk. There's like antibacterial, there's different tensions, there's different properties that spider silk has. And Bolt Threads has started to, well, their goal is to produce this on a mass scale. And the understanding from my part, at least, is that, you know, once it goes mass, it can be used for many different types of applications. It could be used for, of course, apparel, but think about all the other potential areas where new threads, new materials can start to change the nature of how we wear you know, in the longevity of certain products and goods. It could be bags. It could be other things that we're not even thinking about. And again, this goes to the whole point of fashion technology. You know, Again, we're always about collaboration and the intersection and an interdisciplinary approach because I think that that's key to innovation. The founder, he was a biochemist at the University of San Francisco here, and he started this as a university project. So it's interesting is you're having someone developing a thread, a fabric, uh, then will... Who doesn't come from the fashion world. Who doesn't come from the fashion world, right? But again, this goes to the notion of what is fashion? What is fashion technology? Fashion is more than just shopping, right? And again, of course, it's aspiration. That's the outcome, but... And purchases. (laughs) But it's also the back end. It's the supply chain. And it has to do with the manufacturing process. It has to do with the materials, And so this is very interesting to me because it looks towards fundamentally disrupting and changing the way we experience fashion Mm -hmm. today. Similarly, Electroloom, the guys are really great too. Also, not necessarily from a fashion background, but looking at 3D printing clothing. What's interesting is that the materials that they are printing with their printer it can be short-term or really quickly, it could be just, I think, melted back. And so you can create another type of product. Or so there's a recycling product. aspect built into exactly. it. Exactly. What I love about that company is I've been to so many tech events where there's, the th- you know, you can't go to a tech event without the 3D printers there. There's little dinosaurs and, you know, mock jewelry and bracelets and sunglasses. I think those are funny. But really, if we're thinking about disrupting industries and if we're thinking about fashion, those little trinkets that sit on the counter at those conventions don't really mean anything to me. But right. what I love about Electroloom is they're coming in and they're saying, no, we're actually going to be able to 3D print your cotton sweater. And then when you're done with it or you need a size bigger or size smaller, use that material again. 
And I think, you know, I think the big discourse right now in fashion is waste, sustainability. And there are a couple companies that are looking at it from different ways, or at least there are companies worldwide that are looking at it in different ways. You know, how can you recycle clothing? And can you, you know, recreate clothing from recycled clothing or from odds and ends from the manufacturers? And it's just, you know, it's a very big... Pain point in the yes. industry right now. I think, yeah, yes. I think absolutely. Right. So, again, but the question is, can fashion technology be sustainable? That's another question, right? Because we're trying to make batteries more flexible. We're trying to make sensors more flexible and waterproof, right? So they can actually be washed. That's the future of smart fabrics, right? We're trying to develop ways to make apparel much more flexible, but is that sustainable? So and again, that's a discussion for another time, but you know, these are, these are some questions we, of course, as enthusiasts and experts really have to look at and you know, really understand and see both sides of that story. So if I'm hearing you correctly, the companies that you're most excited about, you know, they have a sustainability component built into them. They are totally disrupting manufacturing processes, and they're really thinking about how clothing is going to be made and how it's going to sit on the body, basically. Yes, absolutely. And again, the sustainability part is difficult. And I don't want to say that that's what's driving my personal interest, but it is something that you think about, but it's not, <laughs> and I hate to say at this point, it's not something that drives kind of the interest for me. It's more of rethinking, you know, what is apparel at the root of it? Yeah. Well, and I think 3D printing is going to completely disrupt manufacturing processes and if manufacturing is something that needs to be disrupted, and I think it does, we've seen that an industry that's been bottomed out, yeah. then why not to come at it with a fresh approach and say, what else can be done? How else can we do this? Exactly. Right? That was part one of my two-part conversation with Mika Yuhera of SF Fashion Tech. For part two, tune in next week. Until then, here's looking towards the future. 